Are you off tomorrow? We're off. Yeah, I'm kind of off. I mean, yeah, I don't have any work commitments, but I'm going to Six Flags with my family. So <laughs> that is going to be a monster. A different kind of commitment. Uh, oh, uh, it'd be a lot easier to sit here and talk about football. Do you like roller coasters? I don't, but the kids love them, which is weird. And so since they're young, I end up riding a bunch of roller coasters because Ashley is definitely not going to do it. And I'm okay with anything except for things that flip you over. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with it, but I don't like it. Like, that's not a thrill that I, I enjoy. It's like, mm. I don't know. I'm, I don't have a need for speed. Anyway, this is the beta. I'm Dominic Foxer, and y'all know who that is. It's the one and only Mina Kimes' father. Get ready for a different father. kind of roller coaster. <laughs> a roller coaster of takes. All right, Alabaster. Start the clicking as we climb to the top of this roller coaster of takes. Uh, thank you, Mina, for clarifying that it was indeed a roller coaster of takes. Um, so let's talk about the NBA and the trade market. And one name that keeps popping up, even though he's 22 years old, one of the best offensive players in the world, but not that reliable and maybe um, involved in some scandal off the court. Should NBA teams be lining up to try to give up everything for Zion Williamson if he's available? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's easy. It boils down to this for me is winning an NBA championship. You need a couple of things you need. At least it would seem two stars, quality role players. The hardest thing to get is the stars. When a star is available, there is a risk that it does not pan out. When a player like this is, becomes available on the trade market, it's because there's a risk that it does not, that it's not going to pan out. But I guess for most teams, where else are you going to find them? Like, what else are you banking on? A lottery pick at the top of the draft, someone growing into something that you didn't expect. Like, it just feels like such a long shot that even knowing the risk that it could be injury, it could be commitment to the game or whatever, uh, it could be weight, it could be a number of things that sidetrack Zion. But you do have a chance. Right now, hmm. most teams don't have a chance. Sometimes stars become available because they're disgruntled. Right. Let's uh, acknowledge the disgruntled right. uh, population. All right. <laughs> so I think we should probably clarify what it would actually take to get Zion in order to actually evaluate the risk reward here. I think a team that's being thrown out is Portland, right? right? Teams that are picking at the very, very top. So you're talking about Scoot Henderson or one of the non-Wembanyanas near the very top yeah. of the NBA twins, draft to your Thompson point. Twins, yeah. yeah and, and to your point, Dominique, you draft players like that with the remote hope. I think remote is a fair way to characterize right. it, that they become as good as Zion Williamson is when he is available. Um, so some of this depends on your personal, your team's evaluation of those particular stars. Like I think we would agree, uh, Maybe we wouldn't agree. I I, I don't think anyone's going to be throwing out San Antonio, yeah. for example, because <laughs> right. we all believe yeah. Victor Wembayana is a sure thing. So there, there's a little bit of a, a gap there because um, there's so much faith in, in his floor and what he's going to turn out to be, maybe misplaced. I think where I disagree with you a little bit when it comes to Zion and whether teams should be willing to do that, and, and I want to say I, I do think it's obviously – something a lot of teams have to explore is that risk 
the particular risk with Zion, which is not only the injury prone aspect, the fact that he's played so little, but also I think questions about his, uh, I would say commitment to getting back out there. Right. Maybe I, I, you know, this uh, general commitment, I think it's fair. Yeah. So I think where I would be anxious is there's no one in the NBA. There's no team in the NBA with a better understanding of that commitment than the team that would hypothetically be trading him to you. So you'd be betting not only that he can be healthier and that he can work harder or whatever, keep the weight off, but that the New Orleans Pelicans assessment of that willingness is totally wrong. And I think that's what might make teams nervous is like that information asymmetry. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And that would make me nervous also. But uh, the difference is, and it's also about timelines. Rookies aren't ready uh, ever. They aren't ready right away. So like if you're Portland, which is the name that we hear passed along a lot, the question is, are you going to head into a rebuild and send Dame away? Or are you going to make a run for it and try to build around Dame as his um, as his career winds to a to a halt? So it's one or the other. So if you're going to make a run, which I feel like with a player like Dame, that's probably what you want to do. Then you get a player who is ready now. And it seems clear that Zion, though he's not a defensive guy, his talent seems like uh, well, when he was playing for the Pelicans, they were the best team in the West. So he is at a point. What they weren't? They were fourth. I think they were third. Third. No, they got up to one at some point. I think. But anyway, it's it's neither here nor there. That that's a. They're very good. They were really good. He's he's, amazing when he's he's super talented. Yeah. Yeah. He's. I think. (laughs) You guys are both right. To be fair. Um. So the the point that I'm making or that I want to make is, it boils down to me and playing the odds, and so the odds that you get somebody that you draft somebody that is going to be as good as Zion Williamson is remote, <laughs> which is the word you use, and True. I think that's right. The but odds it, yeah. th- that some other um, free agent or some other player gets d- disgruntled and forces his way onto your, your team is probably a little bit higher than the draft possibility, but it's also very low. The odds that Zion, who has the hard part, the talent is the hardest part, the, the odds that he can, that all of this allows him to mature, right? So, like, he's a 22-year-old kid. Like, the idea that this experience, these last couple of years, allows him to mature, I just feel while the probability of that may still be low, I feel like there's a higher chance of Zion getting the best out of his talent and Zion being healthy than some other player, like, creating talent that that they don't already have. Right. There's a a certain young lady on Twitter who might dispute your characterization of his uh, mature readiness to (laughs) commit. That is fair. That is fair. No. uh, Okay, but but let me throw out one more other thing, or Uh one other thing. Um, Portland. There might be alternate paths. We're talking about Zion versus Scoot Henderson or whatever, but that chip potentially get you a Jalen Brown. I don't like, I, I hear right. your, I think your point about timelines is very astute. Like mm-hmm. if they want to keep Dame and they want to compete now, they should be exploring moving on from that pick. But is it possible there might be a less talented, but more reliable right. quality NBA star out there? Yeah. The, the LeBron rule 
we're not keeping no draft picks when LeBron is on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, Dame is the same way. Uh, yeah, I like that. The Jalen Brown thing, I think he helps out a lot because he's, at one point at least, he was a defensive guy, which they certainly need help with that perimeter defense. He's not a small guard. I hate the idea of pairing Scoot with um with Damian Lillard because yeah. it seems like that didn't work once and it's never really worked in the history of the league of a small guard uh, or two small guards being the leader of the team. So I think that Jalen Brown is an interesting, interesting uh, choice there. The problem with Jalen Brown is at the end of games, you can't give him the ball and ask him to make something happen. And so maybe that's a fault of the coaching and not figuring out a way to put him in position to be successful. Yeah. Or maybe it's something about him, but he's not going to suddenly learn how to dribble in, cl- in clutch situations. So there are limitations on it. But, yeah, you're right. I think what you get with Jalen Brown is a more reliable uh, output, but the ceiling is not nearly as high. And I think generally I'd go for the higher ceiling. What's up? I would, ju- I would just like to note that Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas are have been – tweeting the show furiously and are so upset at your constant onslaught against small guards and backcourt okay. winning. Got you. Well, the other 100 years or 75 plus years of NBA basketball is tweeting back at them. Isaiah Thomas is on Twitter. I didn't know that. It's amazing. And he watches Debatable? Wow. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, the, the answer to this question is if you can get a chance at a superstar, you go for it. I, I, I think that's the way that this league works. And sometimes... You're grasping at straws when you say things like this, but a change of scenery might be nice <laughs> for Zion Williamson. What's up, Alabaster? Can I read you guys some fake trades? Oh, God. Hit us. <laughs> okay. I'll start logical and get progressively saucier. First one. Zion Williamson for Josh Giddy, Chet Holmgren, and two first-round picks. I say this because... You need a number one to win in the NBA, and Zion's maybe the third best offensive player in the league. You could have SGA, Jalen Williams, and Zion, and a boatload of more picks on your on your books. Thoughts? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, you're talking about the Oklahoma, Oklahoma yeah. has. Yeah, I don't see why New Orleans does that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, especially because those picks aren't going to be. I mean, Oklahoma City is probably going to be good. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't Bad like trade. So you started with the sauciest one ever. That doesn't seem to make sense for anybody. I think he said I that was the safest. Right? I don't know. <laughs> Team Skinny? You could have Ingram and Chet together. It'd be hilarious. Team um, Skinny. would be a massive weight transfer. <laughs> it really would. Um, okay, here's one. Zion for Joel Embiid. <laughs> Absolutely not. Joel Embiid, uh, Joel Embiid's 30 and a, and a habitual loser. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that they want to trade one injury-prone superstar for another injury-prone superstar. I don't think that that's the answer in New Orleans. Uh, I mean, I guess they New Orleans, I think, would be better off than Philly. Philly, yeah. Philly yeah. doesn't do that trade. Yeah, and dropping Zion in the city of brotherly, brotherly love with his track record doesn't seem like it would be conducive to uh, his mental health, especially when there is no big star there. I think that's one of the more attractive things about Portland is – there's a guy in Dame that's there to to be the leader, to take all the slings and arrows, to protect Zion, to talk to Zion. And it's also Portland, so it's not on the East Coast. It's not going to get as much attention. It's not going to be as heavily covered as... Oh, I thought you were going in a different direction and saying that there weren't any, like... Um 
distractions in oh, Portland. And I was oh, about no, to no, say no. Portland is like one of the it's like the strip club capital of the West Coast. I uh, believe. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know if they're distractions in Portland or not, but with social media and these things called aeroplanes, that guys have no trouble with <laughs> getting distractions. That wasn't what I was saying. I was saying that the media scrutiny, the fan yeah, yeah, intensity, yeah, yeah, yeah. all of that stuff that uh in Philly, the Philly fans what they did to Ben Simmons, I guess he did it to himself also, but what they did to Ben Simmons, I don't want Zion under that spotlight, especially if there's not uh, somebody there, you know, like Jimmy Butler would be a nice person to have there who can go yell at the media. I just mean to have with Zion. I'm talking about a personality. <laughs> Jimmy Butler would probably yell at Zion. That's fine. That too. But also like, I, I like the idea of Zion potentially being the, the, on court yeah, yeah, superstar, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, not yeah. being the face of an organization. Hmm. I think Philly would do that in a heartbeat for the record. It's a golden parachute out of this dying era for them of Harden and Bede. Um Last one. We know he's flirted with New York. What if Brooklyn, your beloved Brooklyn. Listening. Basically anyone but Mikhail Bridges. We're talking Nick. Thompson. Oh yeah. No, done. Send We're it. Talking Trade. Thomas. Mail We're it in. Nope, nope. Say no more. Don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know why, um, uh, the Pelicans would do that, but Hey, go Ooh. for it. I mean, I they, guess you, they've got a, you know, somewhere between gruntled and disgruntled superstar. He's played 114 games in four years. As we've learned with this, they might not totally have a, cha- a choice of how much they get for someone like that. Portland's got or Brooklyn party has got some decent picks too. After all the after the Kyrie trades, right? And yeah, yeah, but I, I, I mean, yeah, make I, it happen. I guess you're right. Go for it. That's the one. The one that you said was the craziest actually was the sanest. You don't get us at all. What's next? I mean, I, I wanted to do a San Antonio one of like Devin Vassell, Kelton Johnson, and a bunch of picks, so you could just have Wemby with zion of the greatest body combo imaginable as a front court in the nba but it was it was too complicated that would be so fun let's move on guys we're talking baseball but really talking Mm. the business of baseball um got a soundbite for you to listen to what was your reaction to rob manfred's quotes about the oakland a's relocation and i hear from him you know i i I feel sorry for the fans in oakland i do not like this outcome i understand why they feel the way they do I think that the real question is, what is it that Oakland was prepared to do? There is no Oakland offer, okay? I mean, they, they never got to the point Mary where they had a plan to build a stadium at any site. And it's not just John Fisher. You don't build a stadium based on the club activity alone. The community has to provide support. And, you know, at some point you come to the realization it's just not going to happen. So he said a lot of stuff. I want to start. That wasn't the only wild thing. Yeah, get them all out there. I mean, you want to read some of these quotes, Alabaster? Yeah, he also commented on the reverse boycott by saying, I mean, it was great. It was great to see what uh, what is this year's almost average uh, MLB crowd in the facility for one night. He went on to talk about the studies that say um, stadiums don't generate economic growth. Academics can say whatever they want. I think reality tells you something else. <laughs> he Does he not understand? Help okay, himself. Okay. I, I, he makes 
Goodell look like William Jennings Bryan or <laughs> I, well, that was the first great orator that came to mind. Abe Lincoln maybe would have been better. I mean, uh, it's what's stro- so striking about there were other bad quotes, by the way. But Manfred's like a, continued. And this is a thing that you remember goes back to when the, the strike was about. They were negotiating. And remember when he called the World Series a the trophy a hunk of metal? Yeah. yeah. The, when he puts his foot in his mouth the way he did today and always seems to do repeatedly, it's like he, he strikes me as a guy who legitimately thinks he's smarter than everyone. Yeah. And is like, I don't understand like why you don't just like under, like agree with me on the bit. Like there's no tact or yeah. respect for the fans in these quotes. Yeah. I, there's like a total lack of politicking in a way that's kind of stunning. I mean, and being commissioner of a major American sports league, I think is a difficult job. What I get confused by is when they do the easy parts poorly. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. what like, yes. these are the easy parts. Like this yes. is the easiest part of it is don't say anything stupid. And Rob Manfred has don't, a track don't. record of like saying stupid things, smiling and like goofing around just before a labor uh, stoppage. Like he just has a track record of messing things up. So like, I am not the baseball fan that you are. So I'm hesitant to parachute in and be like hugely critical, but I've read enough articles to understand that no one seems to think that John Fisher has done a good job um, managing the A's up to the present point. I also recognize that it doesn't matter whether uh, uh, building a new stadium has value that can be calculated for municipalities or not, because it doesn't stop. It can't. Yeah, it doesn't. It won't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that to be true, but it doesn't yeah. stop uh, cities uh, oh, for yeah, like yeah, yeah. bidding for them and going after them. So like, I understand all that, but you don't have to purposely negotiate in public and try to shame a city that you're that has been it. good to you. Yeah. A, a city that that has been good to you and been uh, kind of like, I mean, I. There are certain organizations, I think, and certain franchises that feel like they are really connected to an area. And the Oakland A's are one of those franchises for me, who's I'm not even like an intense baseball fan. So it seems just unnecessarily rude. And it also seems like dishonest, like he's trying to create leverage. Yeah, well, apparently it is actually dishonest. This is just what I've seen from baseball reporters. The mayor of Oakland came out and said, we, I, I believe it was the mayor of Oakland or their office. Like, yeah, there was an offer. Okay, yeah. So... Some of this is just frankly in dispute, but like it's so easy to um, give like workshop better responses on the fly to your point uh, without being so blatantly disrespectful to the fans, kind of mocking the attendance. I mean, if you're Commissioner Baseball, all you have to say is, I'm glad that these fans are still passionate. I hope that they stick with the team. Yeah. Boom, done. That's it. I, where's my hundreds of millions of dollars of the next making, right? Like, or with regards to the academic studies, um, you could just say something like, yeah, well, like, he can't say, say the truth, which is that there's an almost like it, an actual academic consensus, which basically is impossible to find, by the way, that this does not pay off for cities and municipalities. This is mm-hmm. not a matter of dispute. This is like the sky is blue at this point. He can't say that, uh, you know, hey, we're a business. And of course, we're going to try to get the most bang yeah. for our buck, which is the truth, because then that would be used against him when the city politicians then tell their people that there's going to be an economic impact. But Again, like this is like it's like he went after the ace fans. Oh, he's got to go after the academics, right? Just say like, hey, 
I've seen studies showing both. Whatever. I don't know. Like, <laughs> hire it, some just... academics. I've seen it done before. You get some yeah, people. They, th you create that's what your we do own, usually. Yeah. You hire some some economists to bend the numbers. You can talk about uh, some goodwill that is not accounted for. You can make up some stuff to make your argument stronger to, or to make an argument for yourself. Like, it seems like an easy thing to do. John Fisher won't get out and speak. And that's the role of the commissioner. When the owners want to hide, you go out there and you take yes. the slings and arrows. However, you don't have to make it worse. The whole point is that you are accustomed to this. You are used to this. This is something that you have been doing for a long time, that you are not going to make it worse. You are going to make it better. And when you are not responsible for the decision, how could you say things to make it worse? Which makes me suspect that he doesn't realize that his audience in this case is not John Fisher. His audience in this case is the fans. And so like what he's saying there is something that when he talks to John Fisher, they're going to high five each other. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Who cares about the academics? And they didn't give us any money. But what does that earn you? That earns you nothing. What you do in that moment is, is you say like, hey, look, man, I, I, we appreciate the fans here showing support. I'm glad to see that this fan base is engaged. Um, nothing is in ink yet. And we're going to see what we can negotiate between now and the time and our deadline. Wasn't that That's hard? That's a while too. Rob Manfred, like, has should be taking a victory lap this year because he yeah. he made a structural change to the game of baseball that has not only improved the commercial viability of the sport that everybody likes. Right. <laughs> the games are shorter and everybody likes it and it worked and I, I'm sure like that will probably go down as his biggest accomplishment as commissioner frankly. It's so hard to do that, you know, whatever. Uh but so it's sad. like he can't help himself here i mean it's what i don't understand and remarkable is he knows he's bad at this so this is again like jalen yeah. brown why you keep driving <laughs> like I, I don't know like i if you know this is not your strong suit wouldn't you be more yeah. prepared shouldn't somebody say all right rob it's, and it's not a surprise press conference. Like, they didn't catch him coming out the bathroom and stick a mic in his face. You knew exactly what you were going to get at. Yeah, he was like, all exactly. right. Exactly. These are the questions they are going to. Like, who's in charge over there? The media team. Who is who is bringing him in to say, all right, let's prep for this meeting. Or let's press for this were, press they conference. Were probably watching like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Remember last time that you did a press conference and you said that the World Series trophy was a hunk of metal? Remember when you were smiling at the podium when we were about to announce a work stoppage? Remember that? Remember when you fumbled the, the Astros situation? Remember all of that? All right. So in order not to do that again, let's sit down and go over this. And, and I'll just say one thing, more of a thing. You people, there's a common response when commissioners do or say unpopular things is, well, they don't, they work for the owners, right? So that's what they care about. And it's true to some degree, right? But I also know, because I've read, I've, Don Van Atta did a big profile of Rob Manfred. He cares about his public perception and legacy. He doesn't only, he's not like a hedge fund manager who is never seen and his name is not out there. Like he is out there. He will be remembered in some way. So it is just stunning to me that he has not gotten better at uh, pruning that legacy or that perception because uh, today he became the main character as yeah. he so often does when he opens his mouth. But to me, it's not even only about the vanity of pruning your legacy. It's about currently managing the league. This yeah. is bad for the league. 
This is not good yeah. for the teams. This is not good for the league. This is not good for perception. So as much as it hurts a team to have a player do something stupid in the media or get in trouble, as much as like those things sully the image of the league and, uh, and turn fans against the league in some way, this does too. When the, the commissioner of the league, the representative of the league says the World Series trophy is just a hunk of metal, yeah, he's right, but lie to us. This is entertainment when he says I the really, things that he's, yeah. Like, he talks like he probably speaks in his group texts with fellow businessmen. Right. Like, you don't say that stuff, dude. You don't <laughs> say this in public. Don't make fun of the fans and their average attendance. What are you doing? That's for your group text. Yeah. That's why group texts exist. Right. So we can say all the things that we know wouldn't be popular if we said them out loud. It's, I mean, it, it reminds me though, like, I guess we, we probably should have be hesitant to make like relationship analogies when we're talking about sports, but it, it reminds me of like when I am in some sort of dispute with my wife, there are, <laughs> there are shots that I can take that don't advance anything. Just like I could yeah. dunk on you with this one line. Oh, but like if my goal is for us to be happy or for me to get what i want you know what's not going to help help is the one person the one other person with power in this situation or influence or whose um opinion i need or respect i'm not gonna try to embarrass them (laughs) I, i i would like her to believe we are on the same side because we are and that's what rob manford wants the fans to believe but instead it's just like the point you made off the top about him thinking he's smarter than everyone else that's what it feels like it's very smug the way he's like i mean i just don't you guys get this like this is all it is i'll be real with you 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 really don't see adam silver roger goodell talking like this by the way like you don't it's uh yeah it's pretty pretty remarkable i'll just leave it at that i love commissioner bastion that was fun do this again Mm. sometime Got it out. <sighs> All right, Stefan Diggs. Two Genuinely teams. think that he couldn't handle Jay Monahan having his throne for a couple weeks. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um. All right, guys. He, but Jay Monahan's was this is worse because Jay Monahan, <laughs> it was a cynical and it was right. a turn, and he was felled by comments he made earlier. Not so much comments he made now. It was a hypocrisy yeah. thing. This was an own goal. Like this, yeah. he didn't. You know, none of us had to be said. Sorry. Yeah. And there, I mean, there's, yeah, yeah, go ahead. We can move on. But yeah, you're right. This is even dumber. Hmm. Hmm. Layers to it. Um, okay, guys, moving to football. Do you believe that everything is all good with Stefan Diggs and the Bills now? Mina? Yeah, Sean McDermott says so. So uh, <laughs> yeah. 24 hours after he said, I'm very concerned. Where is Stefan Diggs? Yeah. He came out and was like, no, it's fine. Yeah, he actually was cleared to leave practice. It wasn't a big deal. Nobody look over here. Nothing happened. Yeah. Uh, they need, I don't um, watch the Housewives regularly, but I have seen clips. They'll do something where like when someone says something, they show like 24 hours earlier in black and white to show when somebody's like immediately contradicting their own actions. That's what we need with Sean McDermott because the contrast between what he said a day ago versus what he said yeah, yesterday is pretty, or day prior is, is pretty funny. Yeah, the toughest thing about this is we don't know. You know, like it's it's pretty clear that they said, I think they said, right, that it was a, a personal thing between uh, Allen and Diggs. So, like, it's not about contract. It's not about playing time. It's not about scheme. So, like, it's hard for me to – I mean, it might be about those things. It's about um, – I don't think it's about contract, but 
Alan, in his also bizarro comments, hinted that there were things on the field that Diggs right. didn't love, which yeah. could suggest targets or whatever. Anyways, yeah, It doesn't seem like that should be the case, given what Diggs' production has been <laughs> and how successful this team has been. But whatever. Whatever the situation is, I will say that I've been on a lot of teams, and every team I've been on, there have been interpersonal dynamics that were uncomfortable, and it's never hindered anyone's ability to perform. The challenge is all the teams I was on were football teams and no one is that important on a football team. So no one's feelings are strong enough to, or no one's value is high enough that their feelings matter except for the quarterback and maybe like one defensive star. That's it. Well, the problem make, here is oh, sorry. these yeah. two guys are guys whose feelings are valuable enough yeah. that you have to respect them. It's very NBA. And that's why you see the stuff in the NBA where guys can demand trades. None yeah. of us in football, honestly, we're being honest with ourselves, none of us are that valuable. So like we we're like most people who are watching this. You show up to work, your boss pisses you off, you go home and you tell your wife how much your how much of a your boss is and then you take your back to work and do your job. However, if you are as valuable as a quarterback or the receiver that allowed that unlocked this um, future Hall of Fame quarterback's talent, then your feelings matter. And that's what makes me nervous about this. I completely agree with you. And I would argue that Stefan Diggs is the most important Buffalo Bill after Josh Allen mm -hmm. um, for a number of reasons. He talked about how, in fact, he unlocked Allen in the first place. Uh, this is a team that loves to pass they love to play with three wide receivers and they do not have many good wide receivers after stefan diggs gabe davis is a uh, sort of unreliable number two sometimes has good games but you cannot take stefan diggs off of this team and still believe it to be a viable super bowl contender it's why everyone keeps linking them with deandre hopkins by the way even though they have no money because this is a position that they have needs at um, they also financially cannot move on from Diggs. They're, they're, and I would say Diggs himself is also locked yeah. in because he can't sit out, but he can't demand a trade. It's literally like it's next to impossible contract wise for this relationship to end. So for football reasons, for financial ones, they got to make it work because this he is not the second cornerback. He is not yeah. Yeah. a guard. He matters a lot. And he has left a football team before so there's reason to be a little bit nervous that this could be headed down a similar path i know internally we're working on some things not football related but steph he's my guy that was josh well, allen guys they they were saying way too much exactly. on monday <laughs> not football related but oh steph, that's not gonna raise any questions he's my guy yeah, they, they need to hang out. Them and, and Rob Manfred need to go to a media relations thing and sit down and realize that you're not being deposed. <laughs> you're not under oath. You don't got to volunteer yeah, yeah. nothing. You don't have yeah. to volunteer nothing. Make the reporters work. Make them work. McDermott was the one too who yeah. really like he the the comments very are very concerned. He sounded like a dad whose kid didn't come home from school. Exactly. He's like, 
Ooh, he was supposed to be home at 3 p.m. today. The school hasn't called. He wasn't seen getting on the bus. Like, dude, don't don't say that if you don't want people to freak out. <laughs> and then today, the next day, oh, everything's fine. Yeah, it was yeah. A, it was pre-approved. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds totally, like bro. he we realized. Really you. Yeah. yeah he, re he realized that he was not helping by being honest about his feelings in that moment. You don't have to be honest. Sometimes you I can do, lie. I, I do think his comments on day two reflected what you and I are talking about, which is the leverage Stefan Diggs right. has over this team. Because imagine if it was any other player. You really think he'd come out and say, oh, no, it was totally fine. Yeah, we pre-approved it. He got my, I signed his permissions. <laughs> exactly. No, that is definitely not happening. Uh, can I ask you a question? I would love it. Are the vibes bad around the Bills right now? Because, uh, you know, I've been doing all these, uh, like, top 10 offenses, top 10 defenses, previews, and they're still so good. And they still are very much a Super Bowl contender and got so close last year. But the vibes feel really off right now. They, this is obviously the biggest reason. Yeah, I mean, this is the biggest reason. But the vibes have felt off, I think, for longer than we uh, since Josh Allen's elbow got hurt. The vibes were off. The vibes were off. Since they have not been able to have any other offense other than throwing to Stefan Diggs, that throws off the vibes. Since uh, that 13-second loss, <laughs> I think that was the high point. Like, that was the peak. Right before Patrick Mahomes scored that touchdown in under 13 seconds, they were at the peak. From then on, or no, actually the next season when they beat the Rams in the season opener. Yeah. That's when yep. we were like, hey, vibes, well, all-time high vibes. This yeah. team go undefeated? Yeah. <laughs> and then from then on, it just kind of gradually, like, well, maybe they won't go undefeated. Oh, they lost to the Dolphins. Oh, hey, what is going on? This is a mess. And now we are at the trough of their vibes. It's, but it's, it's interesting because it's just a contrast with how good they are. They're still so good. Like when you look at the depth chart, they're still really excellent. Uh, and they have all the things you need to win a Super Bowl. But like when you look at the top six or eight Super Bowl contenders, they seem to have the worst vibes right now. It's just, <laughs> just a vibe check. Not pretty, great. Pretty bad vibes. Who's got the best vibes uh, in the AFC? Best vibes. Do you like? I like Cincy's vibes. They got good vibes. Cincy's vibes. Yeah, like when they showed uh, Jamar Chase being like Baltimore. Who? Baltimore got great vibes. Baltimore vibes right now they, are exceptional. New offensive coordinator. Odell yeah. Beckham's there. They signed Lamar. Tip top vibes in Baltimore. We need to do vibe rankings. Maybe that's for your next podcast. Who like got the best idea. vibes? Yeah. Who's who's like a bad vibes team other than Buffalo? Mm. Let's see. Other than like Washington the really bad every teams. Oh, yeah, every year. Washington is. My entire uh, life. The, the vibes got to be better in Washington yeah, now. They got the sale coming. They got the enemy. Good vibes. Vibes on on the on the come up in in this great city. All right, what's next? Oh, game time. We ain't played a game <laughs> yeah, in a while. Yeah, it's time to play. What are the chances? I'll give you a question. You give me a percentage. Um, got a soundbite for you on this one from your man's Dominique Carl Anthony Towns. Cat. What oh, are God. the What are the chances so that Carl Anthony Towns changes the game forever? I mean, I just feel like. I'm gonna put it like this. I feel like when my time's up and my and I retire and I put the shoes up and I say, you know what, Pat, I'm a, I'm a, me, the kids and the wife, we're gonna head out to the sunset and enjoy life. I feel like there's gonna be people who are gonna say, you know, that I changed the game. And I'm gonna be very appreciative of that. Okay. How does Pat Beverly not not like 
betray any sort of reaction to that quote. Well, because Pat Beverly, Pat Beverly had a quote also that said he <laughs> believes that Carl Anthony Towns is the best big in basketball. They all are in this delusional place altogether. So I don't know. Maybe he's maybe okay. I just figured it out. I was going to say that this is all about people. This whole episode is about people mismanaging their media relations. It's but true. You know That's what? He's he's actually doing his man Pat Bev a favor. Just getting his pod some love. Get your pod mm. some love. I'm, if I mm. say something wild that we both know is stupid on the pod, people will hear about it and then download it. This whole the, that clip reinforces my theory. I guess this is undermined by the fact that you and I podcast together, that you shouldn't podcast around people you're too comfortable with. Because <laughs> you might say that you didn't mean to say. That's, that's why you're producing. That's producers. what's going on there. That's what's happening there. Um, the who would do a better job if they had a Freaky Friday and Rob Manfred and Carl Anthony Towns switched bodies? I think Carl Anthony Towns would do a better job yes, I agree. Uh, in a press conference. No way. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I agree. Because Rob Manfred, his thing is he just can't resist taking shots. And yeah. Carl, if he took, if he inhabited Cat's body, he would take so many shots that would be aggregated just as much. That'd Carl Anthony Towns just like going after random players. Well, actually, you did. That's funny you say that because here's another Carl Anthony Towns quote from that podcast: "If you let me call the plays, I can get you forty anytime I want." He seems to want more shots, also. I mean, he's probably right. He could get you 40 if you let him call he's the plays. He's the second best player in his team. It's not you, his problem. Yeah, if his you let him call the plays, he would get 40. Isn't, uh, I'll go uh, 0.5%, respecting the concept of the game. Um, 0.6%, not respecting the concept of the game. <laughs> uh, thank you. Six is a great number. Better number than five. Seven is the best number, right? We agree on that, right? Seven. Yeah, I'm a big seven fan. Yeah, that was my high school number. I loved it. Then I got the college boomer Siason or seven. So. Mm. Then they gave it to the quarterback. I wanted seven. They, so I had to play it with six. Oh, seven wow. is one of the best quarterback numbers, yeah. to be fair. I think seven is just a great number. Like it's wide at the top, slim at the bottom. It just looks great on everything. I told my daughter, Lucky. you got to get seven. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I never wear seven in soccer or five. Yeah, single digits is, is the place to be. Mm, that's when you know you matter. <laughs> yep. All right, Alabaster. What was your I number in high school? Ten matters in soccer, also. Um, but I digress. No, no, uh, no. I mean, I Answer the question. Are you kidding? Mm -hmm. I was. I was. I, was uh, <laughs> I had a cool lineman number. I was number fifty-five. The center. Um, all right. I got two sound bites for you here. Uh, what are the chances that Nikola Jokic actually doesn't care about his Finals MVP trophy? Here's the first sound. I gotta tell you, I've done a couple of these finals MVP interviews. You're the first one to come in without the the trophy. Where is it? I really don't know. I left in uh, Sparky's uh, room and it's not there anymore, so I don't, even, I don't know. But uh, hopefully it's gonna arrive. <laughs> the finals MVP trophy is just a hunk of metal, right, Jokic? <laughs> it's just a hunk of metal we don't I care about. This is like a broader thing with Jokic now, yeah. right? Where like immediately in the immediate aftermath, he's like, I just, everybody loved it. He, I just want to go home. Oh, the parade. Oh, the trophy. Um, but I believe it. Yeah. I don't know. I, it, I, it, cause I don't think 
he, he's not saying he doesn't care about winning or basketball, just the signifiers or right. the accoutrements of it. And I, that's completely consistent with his persona. I did enjoy him admitting today that he he loved being at the party. Do we have that? Uh, you know that I, I told that uh, I don't want to stay on parade, but I want to stay on parade. This is the best. Cuss it up, cuss it up. <laughs> Dominique, that is you literally every time in the history of our friendship that I've made you go out. <laughs> That's it. You're like, you're like, oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't want to look at Can we not? And then like uh, two hours in, yeah, you've had a couple of drinks. Yeah. You're like, friends are great. Yeah. It's happened <laughs> so many times. Yeah, I'm telling you about my problems. We laugh at some, <laughs> we make fun of some coworkers, and then we hug, and I'm like, man, this was great and then so next time we're it. in the same city i'm like you sure you don't want to just like text <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true it's happened so many times oh, man. Uh, it's so much fun yeah i can't wait to get together we bad mouth alabaster again i'll give it a 80 percent uh i'm 81 <laughs> <laughs> i actually hate you dominique <laughs> i love you I love you too. Uh, right, oh, last, last one. Um, this is a funny story. What are the chances that working with John Gruden is a good idea for Carson Wentz? I haven't seen. I I I, the, I saw some stuff. The story, but is there video or is there? No, there's no video. Just, I hope. It was there's just, no video. We have the tweet though. Okay. The tweet. Okay, let me see the tweet. Spend uh, time throwing and studying film. So I guess my I mean, question coming out of this is who leaked this? Because I don't think this benefits anybody. I guess maybe it benefits John Gruden. Like who called Schefter and was like, hey, run this? Because it's not news. It's not interesting. It doesn't help Carson Wentz. It has to be John Gruden trying to get back in the no, game, right? No. If you're John Gruden, you don't leak this until Carson Wentz looks good. This uh, is not the time to – you wait until – he gets signed in like week seven after some quarterback goes down and he wins a game. And then you get the tweet. He was working this off season with John Gruden. That's when you, that's when you want that. This is very premature to put that relationship out in public. So you think that I think it, Wentz wants it out there. Wentz just, wants. he wants people to know that he's hanging out with a guy who lost his job because his, his racist emails got out like john gruden is still has his tentacles all over the yeah. nfl you know that That's there's fair. so many coaches with uh, uh links to him the passing academy I mean, he ran that qb like the coaching school forever uh, this is this is wentz pure wentz this is meant for what? wentz to let everybody know that hey i can still play john gruden thinks so that's fair good point what's the good situation for him uh no there's not one like i i like to be nice so i'm not gonna say what i'm thinking but i i feel like it's he's kind of demonstrated enough times in enough places that well i guess he, he deserves to play in the league so i guess that your yeah, question say, is fair he, what's the good situation is he willing to be a backup and... yeah he's a the best situation is san francisco has the best situation for every quarterback yeah true Correct. <laughs> yeah. Go to San Francisco uh, and you ball out. What's yeah, what's his QBR in a Kyle Shanahan? Yeah. I mean he's, he's gotta be able to replicate some Nick Mullins. You gotta get that Nick Mullins QBR, which would be an improvement. Man, Frank Reich, what a job you did that year, that one time. Uh why don't you go first on this one with the number though? Okay, cool. Uh good idea. This is a 
25 percent 25 and a half percent <laughs> well done well done you outdid me <sighs> you respect the game i appreciate I respect that respect the game I'm a, I'm a big rules follower <laughs> uh too bad Jokic doesn't respect the game <laughs> i guess he does respect the game he just doesn't care about what you call it accoutrement I don't know why I said that. I liked it. You're French. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any French words that don't sound hoity-toity? Mm. Merci. I don't know that many French words. Actually, speak I don't French. know that many French words. Yeah, I only recently, I only learned as an adult that it's uh, broccoli. Rob. 